0: i uh-huh. uh-huh.
1: weekly podcast where we review, discuss, and recap every episode of Doctor Who, one Doctor at a time. I'm Scott Carelli. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson.
2: And I'm Nick Abenez.
1: And today on the show, we'll be discussing the Ark in Space, the fourth Doctor's second story, uh, and, and joining us is special guest, Mike Jacobs, our first Patreon winner on the show. Welcome.
0: Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Glad you could join us. Glad well, for long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> so, so
1: Mike, uh, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, about your your background. Um, I guess with this show and and with Doctor Who and and specifically Classic Who.
0: Well, like I said, long time listener. I've been listening to this podcast since your first uh, co host, the one before Matt Smith. I'm blanking on his name though.
1: Oh, oh, okay. Rand- Randy McKinney,
0: yeah. Yeah. And you know, I you know, there were some times I was really yelling yelling at my podcast player from the stuff you guys were saying that wasn't right. <laughs> 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 People were giving me stares. I was going, What are you going on about? <laughs> All right, well, for Doctor Who, um it started, you know, as you know, Doctor Who first started being broadcast in the United States in the late seventies, and so mm-hmm. I and um, so and my so I was, a, I was about twelve at the time, late seventies, started seeing it on my local PBS station. And, in fact, Ark Space was, to the best of my memory, the first one I saw You know, early. Tom Baker was probably when they first started broadcasting it. So,
3: Very awesome. cool. Yeah,
0: I started to watch them there. And, um, well, of course, got fixated. So, over the years, just being a fan of it at, through, through my teenage years, and um, got to a point when... Now, this was, like I said, late 70s, early 80s, so it was before the internet was the internet. It was just, you know, text-based thing for universities and the government people. So there were bulletin boards instead, So I and they were all local. So I had found a number of other Doctor Who fans who were nearby over the bulletin board that I frequented. And so we decided to start a club, which we oh. uh, called the uh, – well, we met in the back of a bookstore in the Tri-State Mall. So we called ourselves the Tri-State Time Lords. <laughs> That's awesome. So we just, we, we nice. just got it's together to really, uh, every few That'll weeks. a really great
2: hockey team almost. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is. and you know we just got together to uh you know watch episodes that we could get a hold of off of video because you know they were hard to get to it those days if it wasn't mm-hmm. so, that, so that's what we did and then eventually we actually were able to uh kind of local pbs station to letting us actually man the phones during uh one of the pledge breaks well while they were playing doctor who oh very that's, cool
3: that's
0: so cool that was uh an interesting experience i don't think pbs I think our, the, the ages of the people in our group tended to be younger than they were in other nearby uh, fan clubs. So they, we weren't invited back. So, oh well. <laughs> um, so I transitioned to keeping the club going uh, at college, which I was nearby. And I went a few years. And then, of course, at this point we're in the late 80s. And, of course, things died off. Dr. Who, uh, Who ended its production. So things trickled off from there. But then right. of course there was you know Doctor Who eventually came back. So hey, that was that was something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. So Cass, you said that you uh you brought some Doctor Who news for the uh for the show today?
3: Oh, yeah. Um so I guess um and I don't know how reputable the mirror is because I don't live in the UK. Um but Stephen Moffat was saying that He's been talking to Matt Smith and he's like, oh, Matt Smith misses the role and he might come back as the doctor and discuss. Hmm. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, I, I actually read that same article last night and was hoping that that it would it would come up. Uh, but it was basically something to the equivalent of uh, like they were he was being interviewed and it's like, so what do you think? And it's like, well, you know that he misses the role and I miss having him around. And so we're open to it. And like that's that's pretty much the full Extent of it, like, I mean, you know, like, it, it's something that they would not be opposed to happening. I mean, I guess it's a very different question to like, oh, we're, we're planning on having it happening, you know? Yeah. I would be saying fandom
0: overreacted. I'm shocked.
2: Yeah. I would be very, very surprised if Matt Smith came back, but also screw it He he's gonna do whatever the heck he wants and like we have you know what i mean it's like okay like i hope that doesn't happen <laughs> well whatever you know
1: yeah i but i could also I, I don't know that i would be uninterested in like what if what if i mean it's not going to be that because we already know what moffat's last season is but like you know what if there's like uh, an episode or a series of episodes or even like a whole a whole season um, post Moffat, where you know the eleventh Doctor is the companion to like whatever new Doctor we get after Capaldi or even with Capaldi if Capaldi decides not to leave.
2: Yeah, um, and like I'm and I've been dated I'm, and that and that's the great thing about this show is it totally is possible and it's happened before where the doctor comes across a mystery or an adventure and it just happens to cross timelines with 11. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit off mic, but 11 has sort of the unique um, uh, opportunity to where he has literally thousands of years worth of adventures that we haven't seen yet. Mm -hmm. And it feels weird to me for Moffat to do that. And for, you know, be it the show proper or even like big finish, to not take advantage of this this huge chunk of canon that's just that's just uncharted.
0: Well, that's kind of where Big Finish goes all the time, fitting into those uh, missing slots.
2: Totally.
1: Right, right. Which you know, and that's of course that's the other thing, Mike. It's just you know, that that's what Big Finish is for. You know, if you're if you're you finished your tenure on the Doctor, but you think you have some more adventures, then you know, show up at a recording studio in your. In your gym jams and record, like, three <laughs> new specials, you know? Right. Um, with with Big Finish. And, and they do such a good job. I'm sure they would kill to get some Matt Smith episodes. So,
2: I don't know. Um, yeah. I guess weird, the big worry the is that so – Who knows? Yeah. And I guess the big worry is that him coming back would sort of tarnish what's sort of making Capaldi use run – special you know it's kind of like well do we you know do we need him to come back you know because i don't think the show needs it i think the show's better than ever
0: well someone there's been so much chatter about really that role the doctor needs to progress more even change you know there's always been all this chatter about maybe it should be a woman or or more different ethnicity or something going rewinding to matt smith is kind of stalling
3: yeah it's like taking two steps back literally
2: (laughs) And it would seem kind of weirdly fan service-y. like, "Hey, we know people miss the young hot guy, so here he is for one episode." You know, what I mean? it would just feel kind of tacky. Well,
0: mm-hmm. for one episode, it'd be fine. Just don't do it. don't do any kind of extended thing with it. Yeah, I mean, unless it's Paul McGann, then we gotta have to do it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. They just want to do if they just want to do a season that's uh, Matt Smith and Paul McGann, I'd be down for that. That's <laughs> fine. If that's the way that we get a Paul McGann season, <laughs> I'd be, <that'd> be fine.
2: <laughs> After all these years.
1: All right, so let's talk about the Ark in Space. Uh, So so a couple of things of uh, background that I want to get through. So the Ark in Space is, of course, from the Hinchcliffe Holmes era, which is uh, the best era of the show. Because while I think that the seventh season of uh, Doctor Who, which is the third Doctor's first season, uh, is – The strongest that the show has ever been like like dollar for dollar or minute for minute or whatever. Um, I think that the Hinchcliffe Holmes era, which lasted about three years, is the just the overall strongest era of the show Um, because, you know, it lasted a long time and it was really good. Uh, And so this episode, which is sort of the official kickoff of the Hinchcliffe Holmes era, um, was written by Robert Holmes, uh, the greatest Doctor Who writer ever. (laughs) <laughs> and uh and directed by Rodney Bennett who weirdly he directs the very next story and then he directs an episode in the following season called the mask of Ma- Ma- what Mendragora. I always want to call it the mask, mask of yes that's it i always want to call it the mask of majora and i'm like no that's legend of zelda
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: that's not doctor who Um
1: But uh, yeah, it's weird as far as 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 special and as important as the arc in space is as a story. It surprises me that he only directed two other stories after this. Um, And uh, the thing that's really fun about this story is the uh, the writing process was really weird. So uh, Philip Hinchcliffe and, and Robert Holmes, they knew that they wanted an episode that took place on a on a space station to kick off their new like doctor traveling through time and space again era of the show um because you know prior to this you had john pertwee who was stuck on earth and then toward the end of his run started traveling a little bit but always came back to unit at the end of the story uh and so they wanted a perpetual motion doctor again and uh so they knew they wanted to kick it off with a space station story and so they uh commissioned this uh, writing, this writer, uh, Christopher Langley to write it and he wrote it and wasn't, they weren't super into it. So then they hired John uh, uh, Luca Rodi to write it. And as soon as he finished his script, he went on vacation in the, in the Mediterranean and uh, they got the script back, but they had notes. They liked it, but they had notes, but they couldn't get a hold of him because in the Mediterranean at the time, there was a postal strike afflicting uh, the area, and so they couldn't send any post to him. They couldn't send him notes. He wouldn't be able to send them anything back, and so as a result, Robert Holmes just had to do a page one rewrite, and that's how he ended up writing the story. Um, and uh, yeah, so he used uh, John uh, Luca, Luca Rodi's like sort of basis and story and then rewrote it uh, page one, which is uh, really interesting and just barely in time for pre-production to get started um, while also doing all of his other, uh, his other script editing duties. Um, so it was uh it was a rough start, but we got a really special episode as a result. So that's really cool. Um, so uh, Mike, my- Why don't you uh, take it away and and give us a recap of part one?
0: Okay. So we start off episode one with a viewpoint from space. We're zooming in on a space station in orbit of a planet, which we can guess is Earth, but there's no actual details on it. So we don't know that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Uh, But you really have to glory in the wonderful uh, special effects of 1970s BBC Zero Budget. You oh, can almost see the wires there.
1: <laughs> the model looks like it's made of balloons because it's just, like, kind of floating. It looks like somebody made a balloon animal, like, shaped like a space station and just kind of painted it. And I can
0: one. imagine there's just two screens of black with holes poking it, with a light behind it for the stars as they sort of zoom in and out. It's, it's wonderful. Oh, yeah. It's
2: a real it's sign gorgeous. of things to come.
0: <laughs> All right. We then change our viewpoint to green slime mode, where up uh, mm-hmm. seems to be... uh we're approaching some kind of person-shaped container, which then opens, and in fact, we find a person inside. Then we're back in space, pulling away. Mm-hmm. We then switch to new scene. The TARDIS is materializing in some tight space. You can the top of the TARDIS barely clearing some ceiling molding. Everything's all white, eh, all white walls and ceiling. Of course, again, they're not using much special effects. They're just simply turning up the lights and appears no actual materialization effect. Mm-hmm. Again, you have to save on the budget. There you go. Uh, we then hear the doctor berating Harry for being a clumsy, ham-fisted idiot. <laughs> the doctor, Harry, and Sarah Jane c- come out, and Sarah Jane is carrying some kind of lamp. Uh, Harry's all, I'd say, because seeing that they're actually somewhere different, Sarah Jane says they were only supposed to go on a little trip to the moon to show Harry. But Harry, again, was messing around with the controls, and so they went off course. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, Harry, is a,
1: this, is, this is definitely a foreshadow of just Harry as a character in mm. general. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Harry starts going on about, um, you know, they could sell it to be so useful in, in Trafalgar Square for the Bobbies. And Sarah Jane tells him to stop burbling. And uh, comments that he's feeling a little lightheaded. Doctor says it's because there's very little oxygen. He starts mm-hmm. messing with a yo-yo. And so Sarah Jane starts giving him grief about, well, there's no oxygen. Why are you playing with a yo-yo? Our says he's just testing the gravity. And they're definitely in an artificial satellite. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> all right, so the Doctor crosses the room and finds a light switch. So we can now again see the set in all its glory. Very space satellite, 70s chic. Everything's curved and little lights. You know, kind of similar to uh, classic Trek, although it was more angular. This is all nice curves. And... Harry goes mm-hmm. over to where the Doctor is, and he starts, again, messing around with the controls. Um, I was over there, a hidden door then opens over where Sarah Jane is still standing. She calls out to the doctor, but he's being a bit of a jerk. So she just goes on on her own through the door. Doctor comments he hasn't seen anything like it. But he says it's made on Earth, but he can't place the time period. Sarah Jane enters the other room. Again, the walls are all wide and, surf- and curved surfaces and control panels. Mm-hmm. Sarah Jane approaches a control panel Got all the buttons and curves. On the on the back wall, we see a couple of oh-so-futuristic tape reels. <laughs> They're put there just so we, 40 years later, can enjoy the retrofuturism. <laughs> back with the Doctor and Harry. The Doctor's techno-babbling a bit, and then just sort of spitballs that the tech is from the earlier 30th century, maybe the late 29th. And I suppose if we wanted to, we can now start arguing about timelines for... in. For the Earth, hist- Earth Future History and Doctor Who Canon. Of course, I assume you know, they weren't working off any kind of Bible back in these days. So I guess well, we're Well, no, I do. mean,
1: I mean, all the, all the, because we've, we've gotten several sequels now to this story in New Who. Um, the, uh, actually, the next ninth Doctor story we're going to cover, uh, The End of the World, is a direct prequel to this mm-hmm. story, um, which is about solar flares destroying the Earth well and... no
0: i don't think so i mean it's more beast below is really connected to this story they're both talking well, about solar flares end of the world is the earth is the sun going supernova and destroying oh, the earth completely okay. not yeah. just killing all life
1: oh okay okay so so uh so He's yeah so beast below, um, beast below um which is also coming up <laughs> right again it's coming up it's that's nice connection that's there. really weird <laughs> both of those are coming up uh in in this like session of uh, the doctor's companion but uh yeah they, i mean this story is a really you know the modern who doc like doctor who showrunners they they uh are a big fan of this story and they would make references to it mm-hmm. um a lot and uh yeah i mean you know it it kind of contradicts itself a little bit
0: yeah i mean even just in the next season with um towns of Wenxiang, they talk about the 51st century and talking about known places even if so the timelines don't match up. We'll just say right. proper homes are just making up numbers just because you have to say something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just, as long and, as it sounds like the future, that's enough. Right, exactly. <laughs> and in canon, we can of say –
0: It's
2: kind of like Jim Kirk's star dates, you know?
1: Right. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right.
1: Right, they didn't. Uh, the 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 star dates made absolutely zero sense until they got to the movies when they just sat down and was like, okay, what actually are these? And then they uh, <laughs> yeah. they they tried to make them make sense. Like I think as of the, I, I think it was, I think I don't think it was until Wrath of Khan that they fixed the star dates to actually
2: mean something. What? Wrath of Khan, in many ways, the arc and space of Star Trek.
1: Yeah, little well, space seed sort of. <laughs> Yeah, space I, I guess, I guess is in like
2: movies space. because like, you know, like once you see those sort of naval admiral costumes, like those kind of stuck for the entire film franchise.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um, but yeah, so so uh, so 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 Mike, uh, where where, where do we leave off? We left off on. OK, uh, so Doctor was. I believe, I believe uh, Sarah Jane was in her room.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so back in the other room, Sarah Jane notices that the door closed and she's trapped. So she's banging on the door yelling for the doctor. Mm hmm. Uh, The doctor and Harry, Harry's acting all shocked that they're in the the 30th century, but the doctor says, nope, actually, it's well beyond that. He gave that control quite a twist. (sighs) Then they finally notice that Sarah Jane is missing. Doctor walks over and finds the hidden door and accuses Harry of messing with the switches and tells him to find it. Harry Harry continues complaining about the lack of oxygen, but finally finds the switch. Mm -hmm. The door opens, and they find an unconscious Sarah Jane. They're laying on the ground. As they're sitting her up against the wall, the door shuts again. Doctor goes up to the control panel, but nothing's working. He finds the oxygen supply, but it's not working either.
1: I love the oxygen supply because it just looks like the thing that blows in your face on an airplane,
0: <laughs> <laughs> which is an air supply.
1: <laughs> right, <laughs> that's supplying you
0: with air. It looks more actually. I'm thinking it's looking more like the head of a. Of a blow dryer
1: <laughs> right it looks like it looks like like kind of like a giant version of the thing on the airplane it's just it's just so yeah. weird that it's as focused as it is because you think you yeah. just want oxygen everywhere like right coming there'd out be this. like
3: vents every so often in the walls <laughs> right. air conditioning really? <laughs> yeah yeah
2: this man needs some air <laughs> it's a giant fan. His
3: face up in the panel <laughs> it's, like
0: those big,
2: it's like those big fans they put in like post offices
3: stuff. yeah <laughs>
0: All right, so the doctor opens a panel and finds cut wires. He somehow identifies that the oxygen supply wires are yellow, black, and green. Goes over to behind the control panel, says the same colors, and then comes back again. So, a completely unnecessary detail, but you just gotta love that these little bits is what, you know, Robert Holmes puts in stories to give it their charm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Harry is falling unconscious as well, and even the doctor's suffering from the air loss. He even drops his sonic once, trying to repair the wires. But, find succeeds, it's a button, and the air starts flowing. All right, Harry and the Doctor then carry Sarah Jane over to some kind of bed that's over on the sidewall. And as Sarah Jane is being laid down, now either it's Harry or maybe the actor, Ian Martyr, are being being a real mensch because he sort of holds on to the lower edge of Liz Sladen's skirt and keeps it snugly down. I noticed that up.
1: too. I was I was actually really impressed by that. That was really good.
0: I wonder if maybe there were previous takes where, whoops, it wrote up. We yeah. can't film that.
1: <laughs>
0: Quite possibly. <laughs> All right, so the doctor goes back to fixing the cables and mentions out of the blue that maybe they were bitten, and if so, done quite purposefully. And whoever did it had a purpose and commentary and very big teeth. All right, so the doctor is now able to open the door. Uh, Harry, meanwhile, has been working on reviving Sarah Jane, and as she starts to recover, he says, you know, come on, steady on, old girl. Sarah Jane smiles and says, call me old girl again and I'll spit in your eye. Really kind of cute. And this is when we all start shipping Harry and Sarah Jane. I love, I love
2: love all three of them in this episode. They all have (laughs) such a great. Where they're always like they're all picking on Sarah like she's everyone's sister, but then like the doctor and Harry have really great chemistry. I was, I was just all about every combination of characters in
1: this I, episode. What I love about Harry is that I mean we haven't gotten to the part where he loses his shoes yet, but he just spends the whole episode in <laughs> socks, in a, in a, in, a, in like he's just wearing his socks, but he's still got a double-breasted jacket, yeah, and an ascot. <laughs> like he's so fancy, this guy. <laughs>
2: He's just he, him and him and Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart sort of represent i mean from an outsider's perspective, like that very like British ideal, you know it's different look you know, right what yeah, like like <laughs> right. this is us at our best <laughs> you know <laughs> oh, so good,
0: all right, so Harry quaintly suggests that a drop of brandy would help revive Sarah Jane, although she Again, yeah. And the Doctor says there's some of the TARDIS. I'm guessing there's a wet bar next to the food capsule machine. Is, is this the
2: first reference to there being alcohol on board the TARDIS?
3: Um,
2: Can't be. I mean, that's such a stupid question to ask. I'm sorry. There's so much. This is already no, so I don't, long. I don't, I don't
1: think re- so. <laughs> well, because uh, John Pertwee drank.
0: All the uh, time.
1: <laughs> yeah, the third Doctor drank all the just,
0: time. Been, well, he was so stuck imagine, on
1: the Scott. I imagine since the fourth Doctor has proven to have like such a sweet tooth, he probably doesn't in canon drink, although you know off camera Tom oh, should drink man. enough for, for every doctor but but uh i i I imagine that the fourth doctor doesn't drink much, and so the the alcohol stock on the on the tardis I imagine came from the third doctor.
2: <laughs> this is from back when I drank
1: yeah right he was he, left he was really into some quality liquor. <laughs>
0: All right, so the Doctor and Harry return to the first, the original room where the TARDIS is, and they see the weirdest chandelier dropping down from the ceiling, and it shoots at him like a giant bug zapper. (laughs) Harry, when jumping away, somehow leaves one shoe behind, and it gets properly toasted. And the Doctor and Harry are now hiding underneath the table.
1: Don't, word of advice, don't wear loafers to your space adventures.
0: (laughs) Well, he was kind of tricked. He didn't, he wasn't dressed uh, for, he wasn't. Didn't have a chance to dress properly for the adventure.
2: This was him dressed for going to sleep.
0: <laughs> uh, back in the other room, Sarah Jane calls out to the doctor, having heard a scuffle. But then lights behind the bed start flashing and she gets drowsy, lies back down and then fades away. Dr. Tess goes back to testing the bug zapper with his hat, which gets zapped. Harry yells back to Sarah Jane, not come out. But of course, she's gone. Somewhere else, Sarah Jane wakes up. A voice says, welcome to Nerva. So we finally identified the place. Uh, it tells her she has five minutes before processing. She'll get a, hear a message from the high minister, and then they'll begin the radiation. Doctor tests the uh, zapper with a middle pointer, but no zap. And so he determines that the zapper only shoots organic things, but they're safe under the table. Why would they make this? What is the purpose of this thing on the ship? then we see the most amazing thing. (laughs) The doctor uses his sonic screwdriver as a screwdriver. (laughs) (laughs) He's undoing a bolt of the table. I think it's the first time we've seen him doing that since the war games. Mm -hmm. All right. Back with Sarah Jane. She's acting all drunk, laying there on the tranquilla couch, hearing a message from the high minister, who just so happens to be a woman. Doctor and Harry are sliding the table around to the other side of the room where all the controls are. Doctor tries to pull the control lever down with a scarf. That gets zapped. Harry says that he could hit it with a cricket ball. So amazingly, the doctor pulls one out from his pocket. So a little foreshadowing of the fifth doctor, maybe. <laughs> Harry very awkwardly throws the ball, but that also gets zapped because rubber. <laughs> Uh, The doctor tells Harry to throw his remaining shoe while he makes a dash for the switch, hoping it isn't double barreled. And they're successful.
2: Proto reference to Smith and Jones. Mm. Another adventure where, well, this time the doctor loses both of his shoes.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right.
2: On the platoon of Jadoon on the moon.
0: (laughs) 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 Having turned off the zapper, they both get up from behind the table and we get the hugest Tom Baker smile. Uh, he's putting his scarf back on. The doctor comments that it was made by Madame Nostradamus, made for him. And she was a witty little knitter. <laughs> Harry's bemoaning not having any shoes left. Sure. So back, back over with Sarah Jane, she's getting gassed. Mm-hmm. Then Doctor and Harry are back in the room which he disappeared from. He's opened up the bed and sees circuitry underneath and says it's a short-range matter transmitter. She couldn't have gone far. So the Doctor and Harry leave the room and go to the outer ring of the satellite. Start going one way around. and They get to a door and a loud voice yells out, this is a sterile area. Keep out. Definitely a BAFTA award performance by Peter Tuttingham, who played mm-hmm. all the voices of computers in BBC sci-fi in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> anyway, the door opens anyway. So so much. It was the voice out. of
2: the computer in Faulty Towers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry. yeah imdb him he's in he's been a little of everything (laughs) from that era especially Blake seven
3: nice all
0: right and then suddenly we get another green slime point of view shot of of harry the doctor and then we see a green something quickly slips away off the walkway and down out of sight harry says he saw something but the doctor is doubtful but there is a green slime trail left behind they go on to the next door they go in go into some kind of decontamination chamber where they get zapped with yellow light. And then they move on to another room where we see the, the area where Sarah Jane was processed. Looking around, the doctor figures out it's a cryogenic repository because there's a room labeled for plants and animals and a microfilm store of all human knowledge. And it's, a pretty neat, it's in a pretty neat filing cabinet with the numbers all stenciled over the front of the drawers. I think you can get an Ikea.
1: The the cryogenic room, I I can't, I couldn't shake the feeling that they were reusing a lot of stuff from Tomb of the Cybermen. Yeah. It looks looks a lot like that set,
3: I think. Like they just lacquered over it and repurposed it.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, of course, the odds of that actually being true, like where they just like stored that set for four years. Mm -hmm. years—is
0: probably Mm -hmm. a bit long to store a set.
1: Yeah, right. And and especially knowing the BBC who are just like, ah, who's ever going to watch this again? Wipe it. <laughs> like torch <Tortured>. it. Yeah. <laughs> um so I imagine it's not, but it does seem like they're they're maybe using similar blueprints or something, like they're repurposing blueprints or something like that because it looks a lot like that set.
2: You think maybe they just have like a template? Like a blueprint template, you know, like, hey, okay, this is kind of our our go-to Thing and then you just kind of you know you add some issues depending on the story,
0: or maybe it's just the same set designer people who just you know they're just union people working for the BBC. Yeah, oh, yeah. time to time to build a uh, space satellite. Oh, yeah. We're oh oh making
2: a new wall yeah. <laughs> for We're just going to use what we do. That's not. <laughs>
0: Mike
1: somebody, somebody asked corporate. Did we? Did they wipe that episode? They did. Okay, great. Let's go ahead and just. Read <laughs> it. Oh, so no one's <laughs> <we're> never going <laughs> to see it again. Oh, we
0: Uh. (laughs) All right, so they're wondering, well, what's the purpose of all this? Harry suggests it's a kind of lifeboat. But then, where are all the people? Then on cue, magically, another door opens. Doctor and Harry walk through and see rows and columns of those people-shaped containers. Mm -hmm. Harry says they're dead, but Doctor says, nope, they're in cryogenic sleep. But Harry opens one up and says, dead is a door knocker. (laughs) Now... That seems a little funny. We Americans say dead is a door nail. Of course, what the hell is a door nail anyway? <laughs> door knocker is a thing. So I think of the British thing. It actually makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Door nail. That's weird. No, huh. doors have hinges. Yeah, they have hinges. Mm-hmm. I never really thought about <laughs> that thing. Well, well, you gotta
0: nail the hinge to the, to the wall, so maybe. That's true. Yeah.
1: Maybe. maybe I bet it's been around for so long. I bet it has something to do with, like, nailing something to, like, a person's door, like they did in, like, the the, like the 1700s you know so they're like
0: oh God, we have news Martin Luther and his uh, treatise I, sure. thought I, know, they, like,
3: like I thought it was because they like nailed the coffin shut a different oh, kind of with door. Door nails? that's
0: a, that's a different, yeah. definitely different uh, thing. I don't
3: know I have no idea I'm just spitball
0: <laughs>
3: okay I mean <laughs> well, I vampires you gotta to nail that. the coffin shut I
2: think we know what we're gonna google
3: after this <laughs>
0: okay, <fair enough. laughs> All right, then it's Tom Baker's turn to trial for his BAFTA, and he goes on this bit of a soliloquy about the resilience of humans.
2: <laughs>
0: All right, Harry's still poking at bodies, but he's saying, no, he still thinks they're dead. And, you know, say, suggesting, you know, here's what happens when people are in a coma. Because, remember, Harry is a doctor. But then the mm-hmm. doctor explains, nope, they're in total suspension because they're going to be slipping for thousands of years. All right, wondering why, Harry suggests that maybe there's some kind of global catastrophe, which the doctor agrees. But then they notice more green slime over on the edge of the room. And then it's a bit of a non sequitur. The doctor suggests they check out a few more beds, make sure that everything's OK. So Harry walks along a bit, looks at one more tently, opens it up, and <gasps> it's Sarah Jane. Closing credits.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, well, no, because they see Sarah Jane and then he uh, – he, he, He's like, oh, my God, it's Sarah. And then he's like, oh, well, the doctor comes over. He's like, well, there's no helping her now. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. He's like, Unless, he's, like, he's like, even if we had a, uh, a resuscitation kit, like, I don't know if it would work. And he's like, well, what does it look like? And he's like, I don't know, kind of like an oxygen tank. And so he starts looking. He starts rummaging through closets and then opens one and then uh, uh, a big bug creature.
3: Like, the greatest I, cliffhanger. You know
0: I think there may be several different versions of where they cut off episode one. The one oh. I'm watching ends with them finding Sarah Jane. And part two starts with replaying that little bit. With them oh. find, walking up and finding Sarah Jane. But I was reading a, uh, I think some some other Wikipedia entry uh, that was also doing their own summaries. And they end with after Harry finding the giant bug. Yeah. So I think there's slightly different versions out there. Interesting.
1: I watched the special edition – uh dvd version um did is, is that how your you, uh Cass and, and nick is that how yours ended
3: yeah
2: if, so. if i remember correctly the version i watched ended with sarah jane
1: really huh huh interesting well either way either one is a good cliffhanger one of my notes actually yeah. for this
3: episode
1: <laughs> was the fact that like wow you think that the sarah jane thing would be the cliffhanger and then they throw this cricket monster thing
3: you it. have a bug
1: <laughs> yeah
2: which is so much better
1: Yeah. Well, and it's better because of how it's, uh, how, how
3: how it
2: resolves.
0: (laughs) Welcome to the Ark in Space. Yeah. (laughs) All right. You know, for this, for this first episode, I really want to give Ian Martyr some real props for his performance. I mean, he's appeared in a few scenes in Planet Spiders and a few scenes in Robot. Mm -hmm. But here in Ark in Space, he's jumping with both feet. Finally, He's there
1: full (laughs) time. And both for the,
0: shoeless feet both shoeless feet yes <laughs> and for the bulk of that first episode sarah jane's sidelined she barely appears. so it's mostly just tom baker and ian the martyr acting mm-hmm. against each other for the whole episode and he really goes you know goes for it full force there
1: yeah
3: is, no um, I, oh sorry no no is, go ahead. is harry the first case of like them recycling actors to be companions because um, right, he, he shows heard up earlier in, in Carnival, Carnival of Monsters, Monster. yeah, right. and he's basically the same character, but like <laughs> kind of, he's, yeah. he's fake. But then he's like, "Oh, I work for UNIT." So I, I can't think of any other instance before that. The only other well, one there's one only a I,
0: dozen actors in England, so right. Yeah, <laughs> I think Martin the Freeman hasn't been been born yet. I, th-
3: I think it's
1: definitely the first instance, and and really even after this, the only other time I can think of is like with with Martha um playing right. her own cousin in the Torchwood yeah. finale and then and then uh uh yeah being I'm sorry what? Martha Yeah yeah she <laughs> she played she played her own cousin in the second the uh the the season two um Torchwood two parter. That wasn't yeah, Martha she shows
3: up. She's...
1: <laughs> No that's not Martha that's Martha's she, cousin. Dies. she dies yeah
2: Martha Jones?
1: Yeah, Martha Jones. Her
2: quote-unquote cousin. guys in Torchwood?
3: No. No, 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 no,
1: no, no, no. The Torchwood two-parter at the end of season two of Doctor Who.
2: Oh, that one. one. The the
1: Cybermen and the Daleks fight.
2: Oh, okay, that one, yes. Yeah, there's
1: a, there's a lady that works for Torchwood who is played by Freema Agumon. And then in season three, she's introduced as Martha Jones. And, oh,
2: okay. I, I thought you says, meant like – That was
1: my cousin. My cousin was involved in – my cousin, who looks exactly like me, was <laughs> was, was in that it was whole good. Torchwood thing.
2: Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. I, I thought you were saying those clips I saw of Freema Agman in Torchwood, she was playing, like, you know, Abigail Jones or something. I was oh, like, no, no, no. Because no, no. I've never seen Torchwood.
1: She'd already played uh, Abigail Jones or whatever that character's <laughs> name, was, whatever name was. Um, yeah, no, I I. I, I, I agree. I think I think uh, Harry is really great. Um. I mean, I think he—he's really great here, but I think it's because Robert Holmes really gets him Mm -hmm. uh, and understands the character and how to play him off of the Doctor just right. And I think that other writers don't understand really. And at, at a certain point, I think they just sort of wipe their hands and they're like, "Okay, I mean, I like this character, I get this character, but no one else does, so we'll just." We'll just stick with the Doctor Sarah Jane dynamic and just let that happen. But um, he's great while he lasts. I think he's only in this this first season though. Uh, yeah. Of the, the Hitchcliffe mm-hmm. home here, where does he go out at? What episode is um, it? Um, the uh, Terror of okay. the Zygons, I think.
3: Yeah, Zygons. I couldn't remember. Oh, right, right,
1: right. That's right. That's right. Because that's the one where they go back um to Earth. After yeah. Well, Scotland. Time. Well, <laughs> I mean that that is Earth. <laughs> that's what me um but uh yeah so that's that's you know i i think he's really he's a really fun character i like how i like how like kind of masculine i mean as far as like it, like british masculinity like that he brings to the to the show but like also this sort of charm along with it where He does have, he suffers from some, like, misogynistic tendencies, but he's also super apologetic about them. (laughs) (laughs) Like, every time he does something bad, he's just like, oh, yeah, no, that was, sorry. Like, (laughs) (laughs) he's just
2: kind of a regular dude, which is, like, a really cool kind of, like, energy change for the show. Yeah. Or, like, because, like, you know, Tom Baker is sort of the least ordinary dude to ever live and right. you know, and then here and then here comes Harry he was like, oh okay. hello oh, I was go cool.
1: yeah he's really got that what's all this then charm yeah no
2: he's he's totally like oh, what's all this then
1: yeah
2: and like and he's holding his own in terms of like you know the you know like oh, I think that this was some sort of arc and even the doctor's like no not bad
0: harry
1: <laughs> yeah no it's good i really like him a lot um so tell us about part 2 nick
2: I, I will, but first uh, I've been thinking about this all night. Uh, young Elizabeth Sladen, spitting image of uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead.
1: Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I never really thought about that before. That's amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was watching this and I was like, oh my god! Like if they ever do like a weird like sequel to uh, an Adventure of Time and Space, what about this era? They should look at uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead to play Elizabeth Sladen.
1: Yeah. Holy moly. I, the only the only the only problem is that she's like a foot taller than, than Elizabeth Slade. <laughs> no, right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mary Elizabeth <laughs> Woodson, tall drink of water.
1: Yeah. She's very tall. But uh, Elizabeth once said very petite, very yeah. small.
2: Oh, man. I just saw 10 Cloverfield light again. She was so in that. Yes, yeah, she is. Uh, so anyway, uh, so the insect falls to the floor and he, it's obviously been dead for an extended period of time. We're not really sure. Uh, the doctor finds a medical kit. And um there's like a sleeping a sleepy pallet. And I, uh I love and the
1: medical act- kit. I love the medical kit because it's this clear, like it's this clear orange plastic box. Yes. And and he's just like, What do you what do you think this is, Harry? You think this is like a med kit? And Harry's just looking at it like I have no idea. This I don't know. is no. <laughs> there's a bunch of balls in here. I think there's a gun thing. I
0: don't know what this is. Like he's <laughs> But also, <laughs> Harry's also pretty hardcore already. He opens a closet, and a giant bug falls out, and he just he just steps aside and goes, "Huh, yeah. check this out." Yeah, it's like he's it's been flying around in time and space for a while now. Skip yeah. upper lip. Well, I guess it comes from work for unit. Yeah.
1: Well, and, I, mean, uh, I mean, he's a he's a medical doctor, so I imagine stuff like this is kind of just you you can't I I can't help but think that Harry probably has sort of a scientific mind about some of the stuff where he's just like, oh a dead thing like i would love to dissect this thing and figure it out because <laughs> you know like i just imagine he would be like that obviously he wouldn't really be able to because as the doctor pointed out the thing is mummified um, mm-hmm. it's been dead for so long so
2: and you know he 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 grew up in post world war 2 london he's probably seen some some really crazy stuff
1: that's probably true
2: nice nothing <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so uh, they revive one of the occupants in the uh, little pods, and uh, her name is Vera. She's the first med tech, and she demands to know what the hell these two English guys are doing she, on her ship.
1: Well, she 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 wakes up and she stretches her arms out and is like, "Gimme!" Like she wants something. <laughs> and they're like, "I think she yeah. wants something in this box." So they like kind of like push the box toward her, and she pulls out the gun and then shoots herself in the heart. And Harry's like. What is happening? <laughs> like, Harry's freaking out. And, and the fourth doctor is just like, ah, just it,
0: – it's fine. She obviously knows what she's doing. And I'm like, is it obvious that she knows what she's doing? Guys. And we, and we, and we got to think, OK, what if no one else was there and things were coming back into operations on schedule as they were supposed to? Uh, there wouldn't have been someone there handing to hand her the medical equipment. Was she supposed to be revived enough to go walk across the room and get it herself?
1: Yeah, right. I know. Exactly. Very confusing. Yeah. This this does not seem like the most uh, uh, convenient uh, resuscitation cycle.
2: <laughs> so they tell Vera that, uh, hey, our friend got uh, cryogenically frozen accidentally. Can you please like revive her? And she's like, oh, sure. And then while she's doing that, she's like, yeah, solar flares kind of messed up the Earth ecosystem. So the government picked a select group of humans and and this is called the nervous station. And so we're up here cryogenically frozen for 5,000 years. And then we're going to send 100 of our youth back down to the earth (laughs) to make out with each other. Uh, Sorry. Uh, No. And then uh, the doctor's like, well, I got some bad news. You've actually uh, some alien sabotaged your junk and you've actually been, uh, you overslept by thousands of years. And so she's like, oh, I have to go wake up Lazar. And he's also going by the name of Noah, but I will never call him anything but Lazar. Uh, (laughs) And uh, yeah, okay. can we start talking about the Okay, Well, never mind, because the best is yet to come. But I want to talk at some point about these people's names. Um, So there's another power failure. The doctor goes to check it out and uh, he finds a large green like pupil larva grub monster in the solar collector <laughs> just sucking on the solar energy it's it, it i mean once again it looks like a Sid and marty croft monster and it's just it's really terrific it's made a bubble
1: wrap bubble wrap yeah, wrap.
2: yeah. yeah. bubble wrap
1: <laughs> which was a, which was a, a technology that no one really knew about at this point so they could they could it wasn't widespread enough for anyone to know what it was so they were yeah. like yeah let's use this new cool thing and make a creature out of it. And then yeah. shortly after this, like bubble wrap was everywhere and
2: yeah. And became the tools of office this. pranks everywhere.
1: Right. And everyone just knows this story as the, as the one with the bubble wrap. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. Oh man.
2: Uh, So, uh, so yeah, so Lazar doesn't like that someone that these people are stumbling around and contaminating their genetic pool, which I guess is somewhat, you know, it's like well, this whole point is that we, you know, we're clean from all of the stuff, and so he goes to the control room and he stuns the doctor. Well, um, I think
1: didn't you didn't you uh, did you skip over the part where where Vera is uh, reviving uh, Sarah and she says they're like, so is this going to work? And she's like, well, she'll either survive or die. Yeah. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh, okay, that's fine. Cool. <laughs> she's like, uh, I mean, you know,
2: that's you kind lose of a- some you lose some. That's kind of our deal, no matter what, though. You know, if you think about it.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. be uh, the she'll die. Oh man. Yeah. So she notices. uh So while after reviving Sarah, she notices that another one of their crewmen, Dune, is missing from his weird pod, and uh Lazar, of course, blames this on their quote regressive interlopers. Um. I kind of I'm kind of into someone else calling the doctor primitive and regressive. I find it like kind of a cool like turning of the table, you know, because so often the doctor sort of has the genetic hierarchy down. Of course,
0: Harry's reaction to that. I'm not regressive. I'm an evil officer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Screw you. (laughs) Uh,
2: So uh, so so Lazar goes in to make sure that the doctor hasn't like mucked anything up. And he is. I love this. The wiki that I'm, that I'm, 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 referencing from says that he is accosted by the giant bug monster. Um, <laughs> hey, <laughs> what time is it? <laughs> uh, so it it, 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 it touches his, it touches Lazar's hand and like Lazar, like falls. He, he's unconscious. Harry and Sarah find the stun doctor and revive him. And uh, then they're escorted back to their, uh, to the main room by Lazar uh, but he's like keeping his hand hidden, <laughs> like nothing, nothing happened, nothing happened. <laughs> and they're like, OK. Um, so Vera's just reviving people like Madness now, and they revive someone named Li- Li- Libri? Was it Libri? Libri. Libre. Libre. Um Who's freaked out by, by, by Lazar and can tell that something's wrong because um, he starts to act weird and uh, he's like, no, the revivals, you know, stop reviving people because, you know, and then they're like, well, no, we, we, you know, Dune's missing. And he's like, I am Dune. And he goes, OK, well, something's <laughs> up. So the doctor convinces uh, Libra to go after Lazar and stop him. Um, and then they examine the missing Dune's uh, bubble and <laughs> they find this like first I first thought it was like a snake skin. Right. But it's it's a giant it's a weird egg sack and they're like oh the, whatever did this laid eggs inside of dune's body and then i guess the alien larva absorbed dune's knowledge and then uh meanwhile this is going on libre uh confronts lazar and he's like a god why are you acting so strange and he's like you're a fool and then kills libre and then
1: well, uh, that that was that that scene is really frustrating to me because this sure. guy's like don't make me shoot you don't make me shoot you, and, and, and he's just, like, walking toward him and is like, he's just like, don't make me shoot you, he just keeps saying it over and over again, and then... Well, and he's then just, just tech
0: support, he's not yeah. a security officer. Yeah, I know, and but he like, no, he's never really used use a gun, he's just...
1: This guy's obviously coming to kill you, and, like, you can't, <laughs> like, you can't defend yourself, and he just takes the gun and then shoots him immediately, and I'm like, man, what a waste.
0: <laughs> now, I think this may be, like, a record-shortest performance, I... Check the time codes. Libre first appears at 1909 and he's dead by 2355. Oof. Just shy of five minutes. Oh,
3: man.
1: <laughs> Poor Libre. Well,
3: I, and, think it's uh, like the, I think it's like the equivalent of, like, Captain Kirk being possessed by this weird alien and then some red shirt's like, I can't do it. And he's, like, crying and Captain Kirk's like, you're dumb.
0: <laughs> the doctor had <laughs> dropped a comment about how human society had become very, um, uh, very like specialized, layered, you know? yeah. Specialized, yeah. And so, you know. Like, you know, tech support really doesn't know how to use a gun, isn't really con- emotionally conditioned to use a gun, especially not to shoot his commander, even if he is acting wackadoo.
1: Well, he could have at least stunned him. We know that it has a stun setting. You've
2: at mm-hmm. least tried.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, but then the been, story would have, have ended
2: been, in part two, Scott.
1: No, no, no. <laughs> been, no, because all you do, all you do is you show that the we're in are, are uh, not susceptible to the stun setting. He shoots him with the stun setting. It does nothing. He takes the gun. Then he shoots him. Yeah. At least then he tried.
2: I thought you said this was the greatest error of the show. (laughs) It is. Well, telling. That's all I'll say. And uh, so with with Libre dead, uh, we noticed that Lazar has fully started his metamorphosis into uh, a Sigmund in the sea monster bubble wrap right? <laughs> Then thus and that thus Oh, ends part no, two. not the bubble wrap. Oh, bubble wrap no. And thus can thus we, ends part 2.
1: Can we talk about the uh the Starfleet uniforms? Um each shoulder was, it's a
2: different
0: color code.
1: Yeah. I'm digging yeah, them. Yeah. I love that.
2: I love that. I miss the all white of like, you know, old Battlestar Galactica and like this and like the first Star Trek movie. I really miss like the weird Bee Gees... Like <laughs> <start-ups>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was cool.
1: Yeah, no, it, it is. It is really cool. Um, I even like, I I, I even like the way mm-hmm. that it's um, and it has that like top flap on it with like the the arc of the color from their shoulders across mm-hmm. it, but it's like a different piece of fabric than the than the actual like jacket part. I don't mm-hmm. know the whole thing. I, I think it's a cool design. I mean, bell bottoms notwithstanding. Uh, yeah,
3: I was gonna say 10, did you know bell bottoms. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Man, the 70s did not understand that the bell-bottoms were go- not going to be around forever.
3: Um, I don't no know. They came t- back when I was in middle school. Uh,
1: they're
2: called bootcut now? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There was kind of a, a, a bell-bottom revival in like the 90s, I feel like. I remember.
3: Weren't it. they called flares, though? Yeah, they are called flares. They weren't as outrageous. Right. <laughs> they weren't
2: truly outrageous.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, there's a the scheduled 20-year retroactive uh, style Think so? Yeah. In the '90s, or into the '70s? <laughs> That's true. We're all looking back to the '90s now.
1: That's true. I'm waiting for that that '90s show. The '70s, we had happy days, and in the '90s, we had uh, we had uh, that '70s show. So there needs to be a show set in the '90s.
3: Oh my god,
1: we're overdue for that.
3: It's like the worst
1: show.
0: <laughs> and it's called Replay Friends.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. So. Uh, Yeah, so tell us about uh, part three, Kath.
3: All right. So, um, Lazar slash Noah slash bubble wrap, um, he pulls out his hand and it's covered in green. And I love how progressively through this episode, um, he just, every time you see him, he's like more and more covered with bubble wrap. Um, Mm -hmm. So, there's this like apropos of nothing this this message starts playing from the uh the high minister that we hear in the the first episode and it's like a 5 minute monologue and she basically is just like extolling the virtues of like their mission and like save humanity and blah 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 from the ashes blah 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 um and it's actually like i really like how Um, this episode, we get a sense that the Doctor and, like, this era is super about humanity. So it's super reflective of, like, New Who. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, I don't know. I I really like it. If if you're interested in, um, like, listening to, like, the Doctor's monologue from the first episode and this one, um, it's really telling about how I think Robert Holmes views this um like his doctor um mm-hmm. and it's really inspirational this was kind like a very good,
0: churchill churchill, yeah, churchill feel to it. it was a good
3: yeah. episode to watch after this week with all this this nonsense happening yeah
2: like like the fourth doctor like has a real love for humans and like this ep- whole episode is sort of it you know there, there's a reason we keep bringing up star trek is it, it really does have that gene roddenberry Hope of like no like like you know what if we did get it together and what if we could do mm-hmm. this and like but there would still be problems you know what I mean it it, it is yeah. very reminiscent of that kind of style of storytelling. Hmm.
3: Um. So we cut back and forth from uh the doctor and Sarah Jane and Vera and them like waking up people and um we get this thing that I call man versus bubble wrap which is like <laughs> <laughs> like no Noah, Noah is. Still human, and he's the leader of this expedition, but he's also becoming this weird bug thing, so he's like 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 imagine if you have a sock puppet and you're the sock puppet's trying to attack you. This is what this guy is doing with bubble wrap hand.
0: um <laughs> oh no, he's just fighting the horrible urge that every yeah. human has to pop the bubble wrap, gotta yeah. pop the bubble wrap I
3: no, I was like, dude, just cut your arm off if you're that bottom <laughs> something um." <laughs> uh, 30th century med tech um so the the speech ends and he like struggles he has this weird struggle and he um he comes over at the comms and he's like we gotta we gotta bypass all the safety stuff and wake everybody up as soon as possible and he kind of um he pulls like a jekyll and hyde thing like he is trying to He's trying to talk to Vera and tell her to take command and like wake everybody up, and then um, and then he reverts to um, what we find out are called the Wirin, um, which are these giant space bugs, and they, um, they they he's like started tapping into their like race memory, uh, which we find out more a little bit later. Um, so. The doctor and Vera go to kind of talk to Noah and Harry and Sarah are left to wake everybody up because Harry's seen this done exactly twice and he knows what he's doing. Um, So they go to talk to Noah and we get this really awesome shot of this, what I presume is a guy in a sleeping bag covered in bubble wrap (laughs) crawling on the floor. Like
0: it was amazing.
3: I love this story so much. <laughs> um, but they they go to talk to Noah and they can't really reason with him. Um, and they try and like zap him. Uh, with I don't know stun guns and bug zapper things, and it doesn't really. Fusion work. pistols. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's got like a claw on the end, and it's like like. There's this really awesome scene where there's, like, a shootout in a hallway, but it's all, like, weird la- lights and lasers and stuff. <laughs> um, and we uh, we go back, and there's these two um, tech guys that they wake up. We talked about them, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So they're really cool. Um,
0: Lysit and Rogan. Yeah.
3: They're really... I, it's super 70s. Like, Again. Rogan has, like the his um uniform's open just a little bit so there's like really weird like 70s chest hair going on
0: <laughs> Getting free pg's yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> um so the doctor tells harry to dissect the creature to find any weaknesses um because they still have the mummified big bug in the main room um so the doctor peels away this what i Think is like an eye membrane, basically, and he hooks it up to the computer and he's banking on the fact that because these things have like psychic um, connection with each other and whatever that he will hook up the eye to the the computer and he'll be able to see what killed it basically um, and the first time I saw this was before Pacific Rim came out, but now afterward, basically the Doctor drifts with this piece of, like, space bug because yep. the computer doesn't can't handle it, so he's like, oh, I have to connect my own cerebral cortex and see what happens. So he he drifts with a kaiju. He drifts with a space bug. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and the uh. While the doctor is doing that, the bubble wrap uh slug man gets um lyset. Um and uh, another short
0: performance. I clocked him yeah. <laughs> in clocked him in at eight twenty, out at fifteen nineteen. He's got about seven <laughs> minutes.
3: <laughs> oh, um, so the doctor finds out that um this big the initial uh bug that we find in part one um, got zapped by the uh Organic zappy
0: chandelier thing, yeah.
3: Um, but it like cuts the lines first and then crawls into the cryo chamber and infects the our, our friend Dune. Um, and the so that's that's what they 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 need to basically um get enough electricity like the stun guns aren't enough they need to get enough of a zap to kill the bugs um so the the doctor uses the um like the transmat beds to send people into the control room um and then there's a power failure and the oxygen's cut again and all of these um all of the grubs that are like Grossly wandering around um are kind of getting into position um and the doctor says that oh well, if they're bugs and they turn into flying things, they obviously have like a a pupil stage, so he goes um down into like the bowels of the like wherever the solar things are to go turn the power back on um and he gets down there and I think it's really, I love the special effects in this because you see like a, like a foam, like a giant foam, like to scale chrysalis, but in the back, just like on the black background is like these felt gray, like things that are painted onto like, like it's supposed to indicate that there's a lot of these things, but it's just like, Oh, these weird gray things floating in blackness. Um, <laughs> so the doctor's down here and he is looking around trying to get the power back on and he turns around and Noah is just about to turn into a bug. He has like one section of his face and it looks like Two-Face in like the Dark night, and he's like grimacing and then it turns into the bug. And then the- I'm thinking <laughs> that
0: he wasn't actually seeing his face, but it was more like the psychic projection.
3: Oh, oh that's interesting. I just I thought it like his face literally was just like, and then he turned into a bug.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so that takes us to part four. Um, And part four is uh, I mean, it 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 begins with uh, Vera shooting the Noah bug and so that the doctor can get out of there. And then the Noah bug is like kind of like, you know, bowed down because he got shot. So he's like he's like kind of on its Whatever his bug needs are. I don't know. Um, and uh, and he's basically sort of explaining what's going on and why the Weirin are doing this. And uh, he said that the humans destroyed like the, the Weirin's world um, and that wasn't cool. So now it wants what the humans have, which is this ark, and it's going to take it over. And he explains that the way the Weirin work is that on their homeworld or whatever, they used cattle and they they so the, the we're sort of take take over the cattle and then they sort of have like, took the form of the cattle much in the way that alien rules in the alien franchise is like the facehugger goes on like a cow and then it gives birth to like an alien cow. And like if it does it to a dog, it gives birth to like an alien dog. If it does it to a human, it's sort of a humanoid alien, which is why you get the aliens that you do. Um, that we all know and love and so that's basically the we're in the we're in works under the same rules and they're like yeah no now that we are going to use humans we're going to be more intelligent than ever and we're just going to like take over the whole universe it's going to be awesome Mm -hmm. and uh and it's all because you guys you guys suck and
0: uh, (laughs) of course if now humans survived uh past the uh, solar flares and we're out colonizing the galaxy and out there long enough to then you know destroy the we're in home world kind of suggests the whole Nerva project was kind of pointless
1: right right exactly yeah I mean it basically point shows that they were just kind of forgotten um and that you have to wonder that if they went back to earth what would be there uh on earth it actually
0: comes up next episode right no, I we'll save it for that,
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so so it's uh it's it's very interesting um but uh, yeah, so then uh, uh, basically they say like, OK, so if we're going to stop the we're in, we need to take control of the cryogenic uh, area. Um, and but the but they've shut down the whole the whole space station. Uh, and the only way to get through is through the air vents. Well, no one can fit through an air vent. And then everybody just kind of like looks at Sarah and she's like, oh, man, <laughs> why do I have to be so petite? Um so she has to she she starts dieharding through the uh the air ventilation system with the power uh plug sort of like tied around her waist and she's like crawling through this it's like a triangular air ventilation system. It's really weird. Um but she's like crawling through there and they're sort of like telling her which direction to go to get to the to the uh the place where all the all the people are sleeping and the doctor is there waiting for her. Um, to To get the power source, and so they're they 're basically trying to uh, take control of the of the uh, cryogenic system by like bypassing the stuff that the we aren 't have in control like the the system they 're all sort of like hanging out in this shuttle they 're like okay so we 'll use the shuttle power to do this, and then we 'll bypass them and then they won 't have control over that and then we 'll have all the cards and they won't, they won 't have anything to deal with. So that's the plan. So they're going to do that. And then they succeed. And there's this really great moment where Sarah is getting really close to the doctor, but she keeps getting stuck. And she's like, I I can't do it. And and the doctor's just like, I knew you would fail. He's like, just like a woman to fail.
3: You stupid, know, so you,
1: mean. you stupid woman. I knew no one like you could ever do this. And Sarah Jane is like, I'll show you and then gets out and then like, won't let him help her and stuff. And then he's just like, ah, it worked. And he, she's just like, you're you jackass. <laughs> <laughs> it's really great. It's one of my favorite like doctor companion moments. I think um, just because like, he's like, I know she can do it. She just doesn't, she needs to be angry and <laughs> get through it. Um, and so he makes her mad at him so that she'll do it It's really great. I love that. Um, and, uh, yeah. So then, uh, the doctor's like, all right, well, we have all the cards now, uh, Noah, buddy. So, you know, bug or not, you should probably just give up. And he's like, well, I'll just let you all go. If, if you, uh, are willing to, uh, give up all of those people. I mean, what are what do they matter? Right. You guys are alive. They're not even awake. Like, just let us have them and, and we'll let you, you know, get out of here scot-free, no problem. And uh the doctor's like, Well, I think there's some human in you, and so he starts talking about like the like the sun on your face and, and the grass and fields and all this earth stuff. And uh and good and strong
2: British whiskey.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and Noah Noah seems unmoved by all of this. Um And uh, he's like, nope, I'm all Weirin now, so whatevs, don't worry about a thing. And he's like, all right. So uh, the doctor's like, okay, so now we're going to trick the Weirin into the shuttle, and then we're going to send the shuttle off. So – because they have to get to the shuttle to get control of the the cryogen people, and so they they trick them, and they get them into the shuttle, and everybody else gets out of the shuttle, and they lock the shuttle. But they have to – because the only way to send the shuttle off is either inside the shuttle – or manually on these things on the outside legs, uh, the doctor starts turning them all on, and then Rogan's like, you know what happens when you turn the last one on, right? And he's like, Yeah, you need to get out of here and be safe. I'm gonna I'm gonna get blown up uh when the shuttle takes off, but that's no big deal. And then Rogan pulls in the second Bruce Willis reference of this story, uh pulls uh Bruce Willis from Armageddon and just punches the doctor <laughs> and drags them away. And then uh, and then he's like, you know, take care of my daughter. And then <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then uh, uh, sends the shuttle off and blowing himself up in the process. Um, and so like, the shuttle with the Weirin go off and then and then Noah in the in the shuttle as a bug is like, you know what? Let's just blow up. So he blows up them up <laughs> um, because there was a little more human in him after all. And uh, everything seems cool. There's no more Weirin on the ship. And, uh, uh, the doctor, uh, Vera is going to start, uh, waking all of the, uh, all of the, uh, occupants. He was
2: human after all, Scott. Yeah. My favorite uh, Black Punk album.
1: (laughs) And he starts, (laughs) so they start, uh, they, they start uh, waking everybody up and the, and and she's like, I just don't know about, you know, earth and I'm worried about how that's going to work out. And, uh, the doctor's like, oh no, it's cool. I'll go check it out and I'll let you know and then uh harry and sarah are like well we're going to come with you and sarah puts on an adorable rain raincoat combo um and is like you know prepare for anything i guess <laughs> uh, <laughs> she's wearing like a raincoat outfit it's really adorable and harry finally gets some shoes right yeah uh he, <laughs> it all worked out he looks like he looks like uh like a like a british navy man on uh, on shore leave <laughs> um, and, uh, and then the doctor's like, here, have some jelly babies and throws the bag of jelly babies to Vera. And then they teleport to earth.
2: And she's like, thank the... you. Yeah. Thank you for these jelly babies.
1: Yeah. <laughs> never, never questioning where they came from. Um, and they, uh, they teleport down to earth, um, for what will be our next story of this, uh, of the, for the fourth doctor. So, uh, yeah, no, I love this. Uh, I love this story, and I love knowing how much it inspired Ridley Scott and Alien, um, and and that whole franchise. Uh,
2: I just I love the and that whole genre. Really. Yeah,
1: really, yeah. Um, it really just seems like Ridley Scott watched this as a as a young man, um, and and was just like, man, this is really great. Uh, and but what and-
2: if
3: nihilism?
1: Yeah. What if nihilism, yeah. <laughs> and what if like you know a multi-million dollar budget, and so then you know four years later he makes Alien. Um, and it's-
2: yeah, and it's and it's so, and it's so different from Ark in Space that it doesn't feel like derivative. You don't feel like oh oh he just ripped off Ark in Space. It, it does feel like a very right. loving tribute to something, but it, it's different enough to where it doesn't you know, knowing right. Ark in space doesn't take away from alien at all. Well,
1: and, it, when and I it heard it you guys started, talking about
0: it last episode. I mean, I knew about the Liz Shaw connection in, uh, Prometheus and, uh, third doctor, but I hadn't heard about the, uh, Ark in space alien connection. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah. that was, that was news nice to me.
1: The first, uh, the first draft of alien was, you know, basically a remake of Ark in space without the doctor. Um, like interfering so it's like if you took remove the doctor out of the story and everybody just sort of woke up naturally like that's that was the plot um and you know eventually that got whittled Mm -hmm. down through the drafts to uh what we got which was space truckers
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um you know, getting into, getting into hijinks. And, There's this
2: uh, movie coming out. out in, uh, in December that I'm really excited about called Passengers. It's directed by Morton Tylan, the guy that oh, directed that's it. coming
1: out this year. I didn't even know that.
2: Yeah, dude. And it's, uh, it, it and, and I thought about it a lot watching this because it's, uh, it's about a, you know, a group of humans are being cryogenically frozen on their way to like, you know, our new home essentially. And, uh, uh, a, a character played by Chris Pratt, um, wakes up, accidentally like a thousand years too early uh-huh. and he can't yeah. go back to sleep because of the machine. And so rather than die alone, he decides to be selfish and he wakes up a woman on the crew that's played by Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And so the movie is just going to be Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt on a spaceship by themselves. Like
3: what? <laughs> awesome.
2: Yeah. yeah. And so watching this, I was like, Oh yeah. Like I kind of get that kind of, I like, I hope they have disco uniforms.
1: <laughs> that script was on the was on the blacklist a few years ago too so mm-hmm. it's, it's good. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah I, I just I really love this story and I think it really you know we, we got to say goodbye to the unit era with Ro, with robot and I love that story sure. a lot. No, we love this, we all love Robot. Right. But this <laughs> is, this is the Tom Baker era now, like where we're in the Tom Baker era and we're specifically in the Hinchcliffe Holmes era. And it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, uh, and, you know, I've seen this story. This is probably my, s- probably my fourth or fifth time watching Ark in Space. Uh-huh. And this is the first time that I've ever actually picked up on the fact that like the, that the ark in space is meaning like Noah's ark in space. Oh my god! <laughs> oh really? Yeah, this is like the first time I picked up on that because I don't think I've ever really paid attention to like the details. I was just kind of absorbing it before. Sure. But his um, name is Noah. Yeah,
3: i never. <laughs> it just.
1: It just didn't. It never clicked for me. I don't know why.
0: They well, almost actually said it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, but they never did, and,
1: and that's why. So like, <laughs> um, <fine>. That <laughs> happens to me all the time. Yeah. Yeah, because I was always every time I watched this, I was like, "But I don't get it. It's not an. It's not shaped like an arc. What are they talking about?" <laughs> I don't
2: know. <laughs> They're referring to Harry's arc as a character. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. So. Uh, so anyway, uh, really, really great story, Mike. Thank you for joining us.
0: Sure, my pleasure. Yeah. Enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week with um the fifth Doctor's second story which uh i'm just realizing i didn't write into the notes and uh
0: four <laughs> you know from doomsday what is it four from doomsday
1: oh that's right Four,
3: four oh, more four spaceships doomsday. yeah yeah
1: yeah and, um,
0: green, and green bubble wrap well not quite
1: <laughs> yeah um but yeah so we'll be we'll be talking about that uh next week so that'll be that'll be exciting and then uh we'll get some fun uh 6th and 7th doctor stories um and uh start covering the 8th doctor's um the Charlie era for oh, the 8th doctor. I'm yeah. Pumped. Yeah. Um with a storm warning and then uh, and then we'll go back into New Who with 9th, 10th and 11th and then start the whole process over again. So um lots of uh lots of really good stuff coming up uh to look forward to that I'm really excited to talk about. Um, but yeah, forward to Doomsday next week. Uh, in the meantime, you can go to our website, DuelingGenre.com, where you can leave comments to this episode and what have you. You can also email the show, contact at us, And we're also on Twitter and Tumblr and Facebook. Uh, leave us iTunes reviews. We haven't gotten any new ones in a really long time. So uh, if you guys like the new version of the show, we'd appreciate uh, a fresh iTunes review. That'd be really great. Go check out our other podcast, Back to the Future Minute, uh, which we're now an hour into, uh, which is pretty cool. Over an hour, I think, as of this release. Um, so that's, uh, that's pretty cool. We're over an hour into Back to the Future Part 2. Uh, very much looking forward to our hiatus before Part 3. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so we got that going on. And then, of course, uh, Geek by Night, which uh, will have come back this week. Uh so go check that out as well. Episode Congratulations nine. Cassandra. Oh yeah. Your your next uh, directorial episode.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: You're mm-hmm. like, "Why?" I was like,
3: "What? What did I do?" Yeah,
1: you 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 wrote and directed the episode. So, you know, there's that.
3: <laughs> yeah. You know, stuff. So.
2: <laughs> I know, it seems like a thousand uh, years ago, but
3: It re- it really does.
1: <laughs> yeah. But uh but yeah, so that's coming back. I believe that's uh what is that? Episode 9, I think. Yes. Yeah. Episode 9. Um, so Episode that's nine story. story 5. Yeah, yeah. So go check that out. And Figure then out uh, go check out our Patreon page, DuelingGenre.com slash support, where you can also uh, guest on the show. You can win a chance to guest on the show, much like uh, Mike Jacobs here. Um, so uh, go to our uh, Patreon page and go check out the rewards there. And uh, who knows? You could be on this show, too. And uh, I don't know if we've mentioned it on this show yet or not have we the uh the merch page but yeah we have a we have a doctor's companion t-shirt and mugs and stuff you can go check out duelinggenre.com slash merch there's a merch button on the website so go check that out and uh, of course special thanks to our patreon associate producers david jeffries and leaper 182 and thank you again uh mike for uh continuing your support on patreon and uh, thanks for being on the show
0: Thanks.
1: thanks for having me all right, we'll be back next week before the big day.